0: Less than two percent of churches in america ever plant another church
1: and when we were only about five years old god gave us the opportunity to plant the second orchard church um, nick olson and his family came here and they did a two-year internship and then we sent them out it'll be two years this coming january uh to erie colorado and we started the orchard church of erie so we've already broke the odds amen and that happened two years ago, and so we praise the Lord for that. And I'm really excited. You're in for a great treat today because he is back for the first time uh, since we sent him out. We've been talking about we've been praying about uh, praying for them at Orchard Church Erie and kind of giving you guys updates. But he is here himself today, Nick, Nick Olson, our church planner, to Orchard Church of Erie to give a report of all that God's done over there and speak to you guys this morning. So give him a big welcome to Nick Olson. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dad. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to see you. There's so many people I haven't seen in almost two years. It's almost been two years. Do I look even more handsome now? Okay, good. I was hoping that was the case. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to share with you guys some things that God is doing. So um, we put together just a short video that just kind of shows a little bit. um, But then after the video, I'm going to go into some stories. Would you like to hear some stories of what God's doing? at the Orchard Church in Erie. So um, again, I'm really, really pumped to be here. Um, So so good to see a lot of familiar faces, and it's really good to see a lot of faces I've never seen before, too. That's a good thing. So uh, let's watch this video, and then I'll come out and share some stories with you guys. So let's watch this.
0: Down, sweetie. All right. Cadence, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death. And raised to walk in the midst of life. In the seat. have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death. And race to walk in the midst of life. Ryan has been with us. Um, you know, our church was only a few months old. And uh, when we were just getting this started, Ryan started to show up. Um, didn't know Christ. And, and man, God has just gotten older. Than him. He's a he's a changed person. And so, Ryan, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? I uh, have. Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Pray in the likeness
1: of his death. Okay. Race to walk. In the
0: Accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried the heavens of his death. And dead. raised <clears throat> Chantelle, uh, to walk. Chantal. Chantal, Pastor Chantel. her husband Scott, and, and Ryan, that was just baptized, all accepted Christ in the same service on February 13th, so that was an awesome day. So, Chantal, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the father of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Very very And grace to and grace to you. I'm the of the of Based on the public profession of your faith, I baptize you in the father of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. you
1: So very, very exciting stuff. Let me say this, um, you know, well, seven years ago, Doug just kind of talked about it, that, that God had given him a vision to plant this church, but also, which I really appreciate about, about Doug and the leadership of this church is that he's always had a burden to plant more churches, not to just get as big as we possibly can, but to to grow enough that we can start other churches in, in a state that is very unchurched and unreached. And I'm so grateful that God lined us up and, and that God had given me the same vision and same calling. And it, it's just cool to be teamed up and then to see what God's doing, not just here because God's doing great things here, amen, right? But also to see him do great things just 30 minutes away. And, and that's just scratching the surface of, of what our great and awesome God can do, right? He can do great things. So um, it, it's crazy that. In January, it'll be two years that we had our, our send-off um, service. So in two years in January, and, and we left, and, and after January, we started meeting with our what we called our launch team. And, and we met for a couple months at our house. And with everybody there, with adults and, and kids, we had about 25 people there meeting and getting ready for what was getting ready to happen. And you saw some of those pictures of of us starting in the cafeteria. Some of you came out to visit to be a part of that when we were in the cafeteria. It was extremely small. It was weird because I was here. It was bigger. And I was like, man, we're in for a long haul here. We got to get going. So it it was exciting to watch God grow that. Then we moved into the gym. And it's just been cool to watch God do some great things. And, and we made that video uh, a while back. So just so you know, even since we've made that video, there's been two more people who have accepted Christ in the past month. And we've baptized a few more. We had 15 people um, join our church a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's just great what God is doing um, in and through the Orchard Church. So I want to share with you some, some stories, though. Is that cool? Because those kind of just kind of give you some, some numbers. And, and we can get excited about numbers because each number you know, symbolize a person and a soul and someone who is connecting in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to I share with you some stories behind those numbers because that's what I really get excited about. Can I share with you some stories? Okay, so I got to sh- share this with you. I know a lot of you know me um, and know my family. So I have three kids. My wife's name is Tara. And, and the first story, I got to tell you this because this is just really exciting for me because it involves my family. And, and my, my oldest daughter, Cadence, she accepted Christ um, here at this church. And I've been, wor- I've been working with her for about six months after that to, to get her to understand what baptism was. And you got to see in that video, that was our very first baptism service. And Cadence was the very first person baptized at our church. So that was pretty exciting. And then after that, just because it's just super cool, my son, he's six now. And if you know Christian, he's, he's your typical boy. Um, I think he's probably got ADD, he's not been diagnosed. Either that or he's possessed. I don't know. It's one or the other. But anyway, so he's, he's just all over the place. And so I I, bet I was talking with him. Ever since um, Katie accepted Christ, I would always take every opportunity to talk to him about Jesus and what Jesus did for him and him dying on the cross. And I'd get these opportunities just with me and Christian. And, and it'd just be one-on-one. And, and, and right when I get like five minutes into it, I feel like, okay, we're, he's starting to get it. And then I'll ask him, so why did Jesus die on the cross? And, and then he brought up, well, you know what? I think Iron Man's more powerful than Jesus. And, uh, okay, he's not ready for that one. So then, but this is really cool, because this is just a phenomenal thing. I remember, because this is just a God thing, sitting down with Christian. We, we finished doing our family devotions, and everybody else left, and I just started talking with Christian again. And, and, and he was just wide-eyed and open as I was talking about the gospel and, and how much God loves us, and and, and wants to have a relationship with us, and made it possible through sending his son Jesus, who died on a cross to pay for our sins and I had no joke a forty five minute conversation with my six year old son that was uninterrupted that is that 's like almost as big as parting of the red sea that 's <laughs> huge that 's very significant so I had this conversation with him, and at the end, he just totally understood everything. I asked him questions. You know, when, when you're with your kids, you just want to make sure that they understand. So he was probably sick of me asking questions, but I just wanted to make sure he got it. And, and he did, and he made a decision to accept Christ um, that day, which was so exciting. And, and if, if you're a parent and you've got kids, there's no greater joy than when you get to lead your, your child to Christ. It's, it's the most exciting thing. And so then I took another six months. To work with him, and we baptized Christian just about three weeks ago, so that was really, really exciting for me, and um, I just want to share that with you, because family's important, right? And so that's the most important, but, so I I want to just share, I could tell you tons of stories of the the work that God's doing and the lives that are being changed, Um, but I just want to share a few of them that are just really special to me, and uh, hopefully I won't get too emotional as I talk about it, but um, that's just the way it goes when you get invested in people, but... um, so, right after we had our grand opening service um, back in March, a little over a year and a half ago, um, there was a there was a, a single mom who came um, to that service, and and she came um, has a daughter named Piper, and she's a sweetheart, and um, she came and 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 she came for about three weeks in a row, and every time after the service, she was crying, and I, I would get an opportunity, just very short, to talk with her, just to get to know her a little bit, and 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 just you know, get those opportunities just to invest in her a little bit, but she would always take off really quick. But I remember the fourth week she came back, and, and God had just been doing a work in her and just breaking things down. She, she had found out about the church by being invited by a friend, and that fourth week that Janine came, um, she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and, and she was at a point in her life where she was just done. A single mom, uh, just desperately trying to make ends meet, I'm trying to, to work. She's a, she's a waitress and she works ridiculous hours just to provide for her and her daughter. And she was just burnt out and she was done and she was ready to throw in the towel. And this was like her last ditch effort to say, okay, God, I, I don't know if you're real. I don't know what's out there, but I need some help. And so she came that fourth week, she gave her life to Christ. And can I tell you this? She rarely misses a Sunday, and she's plugged into our church. she's been baptized, she's a member, and she's growing in her faith. And can I just tell you, her life is completely changed. A woman who, two years ago had no hope. And if this church didn't have a vision to plant other churches, who, know where, who knows where she would be today? but today she knows Jesus and she's got hope and that's great. About, uh, share another one. about three months ago, I got an email from a guy just out of nowhere. Um, I got an email, pulled it up and I was reading it. A guy I'd never met before. He said he came across our church website just by chance and he, and he sent this email just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going through a very difficult time. I'm about to lose my wife. Um, I I don't go to church very often, if at all, and I just just need some help, and I just came across your website, and I wanted to send you an email just to see if you could call me and help me because I just don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. And so I, I, I called this guy, and I had a really good conversation with him, and again, another situation where he was just Um, discouraged and frustrated and he had turned to just about everything else in his life except for God but now he was at the bottom of the barrel with his face down didn't know what else to do so he sent out just this this email to a pastor that he didn't even know and I called him and I invited him to come to church and he came that Sunday and and he sat through the service and after the service I got a chance to meet him face to face and I, I pulled him aside and we just had a conversation for about 20 minutes and I just sat down with him and I asked him the question Do you know Jesus as as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever made a decision just to ask him to forgive you and to come into your life and and to be your Savior? And he says, no, I've never done that, but I would really like to. And I got to lead him to Christ that, that Sunday morning. And then I started to meet with him and, and I'm discipling him right now and, and was able to do marriage counseling with him and his wife and still going through that. And their marriage is on the, the, the path of restoration. And like I said, he's being discipled. And, and the, the rate of his growth is just absolutely astounding. He's now, over the last couple months, been just been serving at the Denver Rescue Mission. He's involved in our setup and teardown. And he's just absolutely plugged in. I can't even tell you how in three months... This guy's life is completely changed. I, I mean, if you knew him, it's just amazing. And I've only known him for three months, and I see this change. Can I just tell you this? That only Jesus can do that, right? Only Jesus can do that. And I'm so grateful that God brought us out there for that. There's uh, this summer was this summer was a, a difficult summer for our church because you know you go through those times. Um, that that when it rains, it pours, right? And we just all face that in our life, and we face that in church and all those things. But this summer was difficult, and it it was a tough time because even as a young baby church, that at that time during the summer, we were running less than 100, and there were four marriages in our church that were on the verge of divorce. All four of them were ready to sign the papers who have been coming since pretty close to when we started. And, And that's significant for families that are just struggling, And over the three months, over summer, I just, as a team, we prayed for them, we invested in them, I did counseling. And can I tell you how wore out I was after counseling with four couples to help them not to give up, that there's hope if you place God back in the center of your marriage. And it took this time of three months to invest and encourage four different couples, and I was just emotionally spent and wore out. But I understood and knew the importance of marriage and and, and not to give up because they all had kids, and, 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 and God wanted to do a great work there. So we just took so much time to invest in them. And can I tell you, all four of those marriages are back on track and, and getting counseling and going in the right direction. And I'm so grateful for that because I just think... I just don't know where they would be if that church wasn't there, if God hadn't sent us out. And it's so encouraging that those marriages are just are fighting through it and not giving up and placing God in the center and getting back on track. And I'm so excited about that. I want to, I want to show the last story. This, this one's really, this one means a lot to me. Um, when, when, we, when we got out there, this was the very first couple that came to Christ when we started their church, they came to one of our preview services that we had before we um, had our grand opening. And so this family had moved out to Erie, Colorado, um, probably three years ago. And, and they got there. They never went to church, never went to church. And they were young, married, um, and, and just weren't interested in the things of God. So we were getting ready to promote our preview service. And we walked around, and we put flyers on doors. And we put a flyer on their door, and, and the next Sunday for our preview service, Scott and Chantel showed up. And they'd never been to church. Chantel picked up the flyer said, okay, you know what, let's give it a shot. Scott said, I don't really want to, but you're the wife. You call the shots, I'll go, right? So he goes. <laughs> Wasn't interested at all, but they came. And at that time, that preview service, I know we had about 50 people. And some of them were from here. So, so we had about that many people, and, and they loved it. They loved it, and they came back the next week, and they loved it, and they came back the following week, and both Scott and Chantel asked Christ to save them, who've never, n- not interested in church whatsoever, and they both accepted Christ, and, and Tara began to disciple Chantel. I saw her disciple in and Scott, and, and they were growing, and, and Chantel invited her mom named Bonnie, and Bonnie came that Sunday, the following Sunday after she got Invited, and Bonnie accepted Christ as her Savior. And I want the, the video that we showed, it was Bonnie, Scott, and Chantel that we baptized at our, our very first baptism service at our church. And we got to baptize all three of them together as a family, which is really cool. But can I tell you what the, the most significant part of this is? Three, about three months ago, Bonnie passed away. And it was, um, she was in her late 50s. It was just a freak thing, totally unexpected, Um, but I got a call from Scott letting me know that Bonnie had passed away. And so I got to do the funeral and, and all that, and it was a very difficult time. But if we didn't start that church, Bonnie wouldn't be in heaven today. Just a few weeks after Bonnie passed away, Scott accepted a job in Wisconsin. And he said, Nick, now I know what kind of church to look for. This is a guy two years ago that never gave church a second thought. And every single week I get a text from Scott saying, I'm trying this church out. I'm trying this one. I think we finally found one that we like. Can I just say how amazing our God is? And I just want to say, you know, that, that's what it's all about, right? That is absolutely what it's all about. And we've seen four or fo- five other people who are just totally, were just invested in religion, right? That's what they, that's what they gave their life to. It was all about these rules and regulations. And, and they went to a certain church that that's, that's just what they believed. It was salvation through works. And, and that's what they were just taught to think um, but they had no relationship, and, they, and just by chance, they came to our church, which was totally different from where they had been attending, but they came, and they loved it, and they started to find out that it's not about rules and regulations, it's not about to-do lists, it's not about all this kind of stuff, it's not about religion, it's truly about a relationship, and all five of those people have come to Christ to figure out what a relationship looks like, two of them we got to lead at our own kitchen table, to lead them to Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you, man, that's, that is absolutely what it's all about. And can I tell you that it's not just for Doug, it's not just for Barry, it's not just for Gary, it's not just for the leadership of this church, it's not just for myself. This is a calling that every single one of us has to play a part, and we have a calling for that. Did you know that if you didn't give to a church that believes in church planning, that two years ago, I never would have got sent off, and there's 50 people that would have never come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have you not found an opportunity to invest and believe in the church that you are going to, that has a great vision and a great mission? And that's a calling that all of us have, and to play a part of, because that is what it's all about. Amen? That's totally what it's about, and we've got to give ourselves to it. So I just want to say this, and I, and I want you to hear my heart in this, that I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because we could not have done it had you not faithfully given here. And I want to thank Doug for his leadership and his vision and, and your desire to start churches. Thank you. Thank you for this leadership of the church. And I just want to encourage you to be a part of the vision of the orchard. God is calling you to be a part of it in one way or another. And, and I just want you to know that I cannot thank you enough for giving and supporting, praying and believing what, what God can do in people's lives. And I just want to thank you so much for that. So can we give God one big round of applause one more time? I want to do this. Can, can you all stand up with me real quick? Can everybody stand up? And I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to jump into um, just, a, just a short, quick challenge that I, that I want to share with you this morning. So let's bow our heads and, and let's pray together. God, I just want to ask that you will uh, be with this time that we have, um, that we can be encouraged in your word. I'm just to catch a vision of of what our calling is, what you've asked us to be a part of, what you've asked us to invest in. And that every single one of us here this morning has that calling. God, I I thank you for what you're doing here in in Brighton and this community through this church and through not just the leadership but the people and how you're using them. And I thank you for what you're doing in Erie through the orchard there, and I just pray that you'll continue to bless and do great things, that we can see more people come to you. Lord, I ask that you will hide me behind your cross, and that you'll be lifted up, and you'll be glorified. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what I want to talk to you about today kind of goes along with, with what I've been sharing with you in regards to, to this church that you're a part of, as well as the church that we started a little over a year and a half ago, and, and that's Our calling. So what I want to talk to you about is a word called kaleo. Can everybody say that with me? Kaleo. So that sounds like a a, a Hawaiian term, like something you'd say on a surfboard or something, right? But it's not. It's actually a Greek word. And, And if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. What this word kaleo, it's a Greek word that means calling. And it's used throughout scripture, used in the Old Testament as God would call out people to follow him. Jesus uses it often in the New Testament when he's calling out his disciples, calling them to follow him. It's used a lot in the epistles, talking about the calling as believers and followers of Jesus Christ that we have specific things. That we have a calling for. And that Greek word is kaleo and it's used quite often. And I want you to know this, that God has a calling for each and every single one of us. He has kaleoed us. He has kaleoed us to have an intimate relationship with him first and foremost. That's what he's called us to have is a personal relationship with him. We are kaleoed for that. We are kaleoed to be involved in the work that God is doing in the lives that surround you on a daily basis. I want you to catch that, okay? That God's calling for every single one of us is he deeply desires to use you in the lives that surround you on a daily basis, he has a calling to do that. He has a calling for you. He has called you to get invested in a local church that you believe in. And, and and I want you to know this: it's not just a calling to fill a seat on Sundays. Your calling doesn't come here at nine o'clock and then it's done at ten fifteen when you leave. That's not your calling. You come here to get charged up so you can live out your calling through the rest of the week. That's that's the calling. It's not to fill a seat. Your calling is to go out and look for the opportunities and the doors that God gives you to serve. And he will do and prepare you for greatness to do greater things for him. Because he's called you to invest and be a part of the work that he is doing here and outside of these walls. He has called you. He's called you to be a part of it. He has called you to be a part of a church plant no matter how And what way it may be, he has called you to be a part of a church plant 30 minutes away. He has called you to be a part of the vision to start another church maybe an hour away from here. He has called you to be a part of church plants that go throughout the state of Colorado and who knows, even throughout our country. Who knows? He has called you to be a part and invest in worldwide missions To see the gospel of Jesus Christ given out to those in countries that many of us will never, ever go to. He has called us to be a part of all of that. We have a calling. And what way that is could be totally different, but He's called us to be invested in that in one way or another. The question is are you making yourself available for that calling? That's the question. Back in college, I read a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. How many have ever read that book before? Fresh Wind, Fresh, Fresh Fire. So, great book. Um, it's, it's written by Jim Symbali. And, and there's a, when I read it in college, there was a phrase, a, a sentence that he wrote that, that was very significant in my life that I, I've, I've always remembered and memorized because I, I just want this, and it resonated really well with me. I'm going to put it up here, and it's in your notes as well. And, and the phrase says this. It says this. This is him talking, I don't want my life to pass me by without God move, moving greatly on my behalf. I don't want my life to pass me by without God moving greatly on my behalf. And when I read that, that really resonated with me. Because as a follower and believer in Jesus Christ today, and if, and, and if that's you, if you've made that decision and, and you know him as your Savior, this, that statement probably resonates with you as well. Because none of us want our, our lives to pass us by without God using us in some very significant way, whether it be in our family, our friends, our neighborhoods, our community, our church, that we don't want our life to pass us by without God doing something great in us and through us. That if you know Christ on a personal level, that that statement means something to you. It means something to all of us. We don't want that. But you know what happens is is fears creep in, insecurities creep in, selfishness and sin, and you know what those things do? It kind of buries that desire, but it's still there. And the more that we focus on Jesus Christ, the more that that calling, that kaleo starts to come out. That I want him to use me in a significant way. And when we focus on Christ, it starts to come out. Why? Because it's our calling. He's giving that to each and every single one of us. It's a calling. So what I want to do today is I want you... Um, to turn with me to 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to look at three important facts regarding our kaleo, our calling. And what I really want you to get is as we look at these three important facts about how how is God calling us, what is our kaleo, what is our calling, and I want you to know this, is that 110% God wants to use you. I want you to do this for me. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God wants to use you. Tell him. God wants to use you. He absolutely does, and I want you to catch this. So 1 Samuel 17, and what we're going to do is we're going to read a very familiar story. This is the chapter where David's going to go, and he's going to beat the the, the giant Goliath, right? So this this is this place between David being anointed as king and him being victorious over the great giant Goliath, right? So this is a place right in between the two. Now, we always look at his calling and being anointed to be king and, and we look at him beating Goliath and we look at him being this great king that King David was. But what about this whole time between that? What about this, this process? And, and what we're going to do is look at a few verses that takes this time between his, him being anointed as a king and defeating Goliath. There's this, this short period of time, these, this short amount of verses that talks about this process in David's life where he's figuring out his calling. And and this process between him being just a a humble shepherd to a great king, there's this process of service. And David trying to figure out his calling throughout his everyday life. And that's what we're going to kind of look at through these scriptures. So the first important fact that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is this, in regards to our calling, is God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. So 1 Samuel 17, we're going to start here in verse 12. It says this, now David... ...was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went out to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. Fourteen, David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. So the first thing here is got to know that David was the youngest of eight, Right? David was a small guy, he was young, he had seven older, or eight older brothers that were older than him that were soldiers, and David, the youngest of the eight, was the shepherd, right? He was weak. In in chapter 15 and 16, it talks about how God wanted King Saul, who was the king, out, and he wanted to anoint a new king, and God had his eyes on David. David was the man, because David was a man after God's heart, and so David wanted, or God wanted David to be the king. That is where he had his eyes set on. But he was the youngest of eight. He was weak. He was small. David was not equipped. It talks about in chapter 17. And you guys, if you know this story, will be very familiar with this, is that when when Saul wanted David to go out and fight Goliath, he put on his armor on David, right? Took his armor and put it on David, but it was so heavy that David couldn't even walk with it on because he was so small and so weak that he had to take it off and said, this is just not going to work for me. So when you look at the life of David, man, this guy is not equipped, right? He can't even carry this armor. He's the youngest of eight. He's a shepherd. He is not equipped to go fight Goliath, let alone be the great king. This guy is just not equipped. But the best thing to know and the most important thing to know about our calling in our life and how God wants to use us is that God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. Jesus did the exact same thing, didn't he? When he went out to find his disciples, he didn't go to what we would think would be the best ones. He didn't go to the religious leaders and the ones who knew it all and the ones that we would think, well, these guys would be the best fitted for what Jesus would want as disciples. He didn't go there, did he? He didn't call the equipped. He took guys who were fishermen and tax collectors and average Joes and he took them and he called them and he equipped them. I accepted Christ when I was 16 years old. And just to share my story really quick, when I accepted Christ when I was 16, man, I, I, nothing special whatsoever. I was very shy, very quiet, very reserved. And, and when you looked at my life, man, it was just, I am absolutely not equipped. But I knew after I accepted Christ at 16 that God had something for me. And when I was 17 years old, I knew that God was calling me to be involved of the work that he's doing and the lives that surround me. I had a calling, but I was not equipped. And when I knew that God wanted me to involve for myself personally, the way that he called me was to be involved in a a pastoral role at a church in one way or another. And so I surrendered to that. I said, God, I'm on board. I'm gonna do that. But people that knew me well really questioned that and said, man, I don't know, Nick, if that's gonna work for you. I don't think that's gonna happen because you know what? You're just not equipped enough. And there are so many other people that were well more equipped to do that sort of a calling than I was. And a lot of people just doubted and said, man, I, don't, I just don't see it happening. I don't see how in the world that you can get up in front of people and how in the world you can invest in people and make a difference. You're just really shy. You're too quiet. You're too reserved. I just don't see that happening. You're not equipped. But can I tell you, man, I'm so glad that God doesn't call the equipped because if he did, I wouldn't be here this morning. But I'm grateful that he equips the call, that he called me and he began equipping me. But there's, there's certain things I had to do. And you're going to see this in David's life as well. Because what happens is you've got you to give God the opportunity to start equipping you. And you do that by serving. You just start serving in these insignificant ways. And we're going to see that in David's life here in a second. But it happened for me too. I'm not, I'm not equipped, but I was called. And so what, what happened was right after I accepted Christ, I wanted to get plugged in. I wanted to serve. So our youth group was doing this outreach event. So I was like, okay, I, I, I want to serve. And so I got involved in it, and as I began to serve there, God equipped me with something great because in that outreach, I met this beautiful, hot woman named Tara, and we started flirting. And it's that just, you know, that disgusting, like makes you want to throw up in your mouth type flirting, you know? I would have her, like, I put my foot on her legs, and she was tying my shoes and, like, triple. And that's like, you watch that, and you're like, oh, I'm going to throw up. That's just disgusting flirting. That's what we did. So. So it was because I started serving there, God equipped me with a woman that, man, I'm telling you what, she is amazing. I could not do ministry without her. She is such a blessing, and she's got such a heart for ministry, and I'm so grateful, but God equipped me with that. He equips the call. I remember when we went off to college, and I started studying, and I wanted to get involved, so I, I got involved in the youth group. And the youth pastor said, well, I don't need you to do anything great. I just want you to stand in the back, and I want you to pick up trash after events. Well, that sounds very small and insignificant, but I did it, and I did those things, and I served in that way, and, and then I began to invest in kids, and, and do all-nighters, and stay up all night, hallelujah, that's awful, but I did it, you know, and, and, and you do those things, and, and as I began doing those things, guess what happened as I was serving in these areas? God began to equip me to be a youth pastor, and then I started doing youth ministry, and then at the end of that, God started calling me to something else, and I started to research and study and invest in missions and church planning. I came here for two years so I could serve in a way. And and, and through that, God equipped me to plant a church. God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Now, you may feel very much like maybe David did at this time or like I did. Well, you know what, man? There, There are well more people that are equipped to do things than I am. I'm just not equipped to share my faith. I'm just not equipped to make a big difference in the lives of those that surround me. I'm just not equipped to disciple somebody. Are you kidding me? Like to meet with them one-on-one and, and tell them you know, biblical truths and help them grow? That's, that's way beyond me. There's people who are well more versed and equipped to do those type of things. I'm just not there. I just can't do that. I'm not equipped to host a small group or or to lead a small group. I'm not equipped to do those things. I'm not equipped to serve the kids or to, to serve teenagers or to do any of those things. I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not equipped to share my faith at work. I'm not equipped to do that. There are other people who are better equipped to do those things, but can I just tell you that God wants to use you And he's not looking for the people who are equipped. He's looking for you. And he's calling you to say, okay, whatever it is, no matter how insignificant, I'm going to do it. And as you do it, I'm going to tell you this, that he's going to equip you for greatness. And he's going to do some amazing things through you because he's called you. He's called you. The second thing is this. When we look at our important things regarding our calling, our kaleo, that God wants us to obey the call to care. God wants us to obey the call to care. Chapter 17, verse 15. Just this one verse to get this point. But David, remember, keeping in mind at this point, David had been anointed king at this point. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, just one short verse, but it's pretty significant because David had already been anointed king He doesn't need to be doing the small jobs anymore, right? He's king. I don't need to be feeding no sheep. I don't need to go take care of my dad's flock. I'm the king. I don't need to be doing that. But you know what? He cared enough about his father's sheep that he went back. He occasionally went back to help. Now, how in the world does David going back to feed his father's sheep have anything to do with our call to care? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that God's favorite description of himself throughout Scripture is him as a shepherd and people as sheep. God as a shepherd and people as sheep. And God's desire is to bring people to him. That's his desire. He wants every person to be his sheep to come into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Now that's significant here because David obeyed the call to care, to tend to his father's sheep. And I want you to catch this, this verse. We're going to put it up here on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For we were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I love that verse because it's so significant in painting the picture of what God's desire is, is to bring people to the overseer of their souls, the shepherd, God Almighty, who loves people so much that he sent his son Jesus to enter, to save them so they can enter in a relationship with him. Now here's the thing that I want you to catch, is that we have got to obey the call to care, care enough about those who God wants as his sheep. There's a lot of people in our communities, in our workplaces, and that surround us in our daily life that are apart from God at this point. And God has asked us to care enough about them, to see them come into the care of their shepherd, what they were created for, what he wants for them, those people who are lost and hopeless and away from him. Those, those 50 people that have come to Christ since we started the church, they were without the shepherd, but God had called us out there to care enough to go there so that they can come to the shepherd, right? And that we've got to have a calling to care enough about those people who are apart from God, who don't have a relationship with him, who do not have hope. Because here's what it's very easy to do. It's very easy to go through our day-to-day thing and just come to church and then leave and go about our daily thing. And, and, And we're surrounded by people all the time who don't have hope, who are lost and haven't figured out what the purpose of their life is in Jesus Christ. And that if we don't have a call to care, we'll never invite them, we'll never tell them. If we don't have a call to care to start more churches, if we don't have a call to care to support more missionaries, to get the message of Jesus Christ out there, then there will be many people who will never hear. We have got to have the call to care. And you see this in the life of Jesus. Another verse here. This is when Jesus was entering his triumphant um, entry into Jerusalem. It says this in Luke 19, verse 41. Now as he drew near to Jerusalem, he saw the city. And what did he do? He wept over it. Here's a city that he knew did not believe in him as the Messiah and the Savior. They wanted to cling to the law and that's how they would find their salvation that Jesus wasn't the Messiah and they didn't want to believe in that and his heart broke for them because he knew God Almighty wanted to shepherd them. He wanted them to be his sheep and to bring them into a relationship with him. Jesus cares and we need to care. We need to care enough to look for opportunities that he gives us every single day to reach out to those who are hurting and lost. We need to care enough about this church that God has given you an amazing platform to share your faith with and through. That God has given you a place that you can support and get involved in, that can share the gospel to other countries and other cities in this state of Colorado that we can be a part of that that we can invest in it but here's the thing we have got to care enough about those who don't know Jesus that we are going to do whatever we can however we can whether it's through prayers whether it's through finances whether it's through, it's through getting plugged in whether it's through going out ourselves when the next time we that, that this church plants a church that we're going to go and support that whatever it may be that we're going to do whatever we can to pray and support and do whatever we can so that we can see the saving news of Jesus Christ get to out to as many people as it possibly can amen that's the desire that's the goal we've got to care enough to see that happen we've got to have a desire to see that happen that's our calling we're kaleo that's what we have our call to do number three last one here important fact regarding our calling is god wants us to obey the call to contribute obey the call to contribute verse 17 Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers enough of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to The fight and shouting for the battle. Verse 21. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Verse 23. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. Now here's what I love about this passage. And this last point as we close out, is this, this part happened right before David went out to fight Goliath. This happened right before that point. But I want you to catch this. The only reason David was able to hear the gloating and trash-talking of Goliath was because he obeyed a call of his father to go and serve David was asked to go and take bread and cheese to his brothers. So David really is a glorified cheese pizza delivery boy, right? That's his calling to serve. Go take this cheese and bread to your brothers. Serve me in that way. If David had not done that, to serve in this small, in our minds, small and insignificant thing, if David had not done that and taking the cheese pizza to his brothers, right? He never would have heard Goliath trash-talking the Israelites and his God. Had David never done that, he never would have got so fired up to say, you know what, that's not right that you talk about our God that way. That is not right, and you know what, I'm not going to stand for it. And he never would have gone to Saul to say, okay, Saul, put me in, coach. I can take him down. I can do it. He never would have done that. He never would have had this great opportunity for greatness, for God to use him in amazing ways had he never done the small, Insignificant thing like taking bread and cheese to his brothers, but because he served in that way, God opened doors of greatness for David, because he served in this small, insignificant way in our minds, but it opened up a door for God to use David in ways that were far beyond our, our comprehension of what what God could do through him, and we got to see that because he was able to contribute in something small. Well, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for you and for me? What are these small, insignificant things that we can serve in that as we're doing these things, who knows what doors of greatness God might open up to use you in? What does that look like? The cool thing about David when you look at those verses that we just read is that when, when his father asked him to take the cheese and the bread to his brothers, it didn't just say that he grudgingly did it. It said that he ran and took it to him, right? He took off and wanted to get that to him as quickly as possible. So as God opens up doors for you to serve in whatever whatever way it may be, small and insignificant in your minds, whatever it may be, we run it. We do it with 100%, and we do it with passion, and we do it with love, no matter how small it may seem, that God will use you for greatness. This could look like this. Maybe you work in nursery. How many work in the nursery? That seems small and insignificant, right? That seems like taking cheese and bread. Well, you know, we're just kind of watching babies, right? Well, that may seem small and insignificant sometimes in people's mind, but can I tell you this? It's not small and insignificant to the family that doesn't have to take their kid in here and, and be disrupted by the message that he has for them, right? It may be small and insignificant, but not to the family that comes and is encouraged through God's word. It's not insignificant to the family that comes and hears about what Christ did for them, and they come to the saving knowledge of him. It's not insignificant to them. It's life transforming. It makes a huge difference. It never would have happened had someone not taken the cheese pizza to their brothers. It would never have happened if someone said, you know what, I'll volunteer to watch babies. I'll do it. It's not insignificant. God's going to do something great. Did you know if you worked in the nursery, you don't even have a clue that how many lives have been impacted because you watched the kid for that family? Because you took cheese pizza. But God did something great. Well, you know what? I I work with the kids. And that's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. How many work in the kids' ministry? Anybody volunteer in that? Did you know... That although it may seem like these young lives, you know, we're creating a good atmosphere, a loving atmosphere and a fun atmosphere and we, and we do that on Sundays and, and we think, well, it's not that big of a deal. But can I tell you this? It may not seem like a big deal to you. It may seem like taking cheese and bread. But can I tell you this? You are forming the foundation of young lives that will be transformed forever. You are shaping them. And there's absolutely nothing insignificant about that. God is using you for Greatness. He's using you for greatness. How many work with the teens? God bless you. Because there's like two of them. <laughs> it's was like, they're crazy. Let me speak to you two real quick. No, you may seem, I, I just want to say this because I've, I've always had a heart for teenagers that did youth ministry for such a long time that they're in a point where they're making s- so many important decisions that they're in this fork in the road that they may make a decision that will, that will change their life forever. And you get an opportunity to speak into that. And change that by God empowering you. And you may feel like you go there on, on Wednesdays or Sunday nights or whenever it is, and you feel like, okay, well, this is kind of small and insignificant, man. It is not. You are making a difference. Many of you give to this church. And you may think, well, you know, it's, it's kind of insignificant. It's just not that big of a deal. Can I just tell you this? When you, when you give to the church that God has called you to be a part of, that some of that money goes to missions. And I just want to share my heart in this, since we've planted the church, that no matter how small and insignificant it may be in your mind, had you not given, it never would have given us an opportunity to plant that church in area Colorado. Had you not given, although you say, you know what, this isn't much, but God, it's yours. This is just cheese pizza, but... Do with it what you want, but I'm going to serve you in that way. Can I tell you, he did something great through you because 50 people came to Christ because you obeyed and served, and God did something great through that gift. And I want you to catch that. That no matter how small and insignificant it may be, that maybe you're discipling someone and you meet with them every week and you talk with them and you, you encourage them. And some days it may feel like, you know what, this is really small and insignificant. I'm not making a difference, but you are. You have placed yourself in a position for God to do something great. There may be times where you pass out flyers and invite people to church every single week and nothing ever happens. Oh, this is really small and insignificant, but can I tell you, one day that person's life is going to come to church and their life will change forever but because you served it created an opportunity for greatness for greatness how many of you guys remember a karate kid totally changed gears on you like where would that come from all right karate kid now daniel's son right he wanted to fight because he was getting bullied and so he, he went to mr miyagi and he wanted to learn some karate and so what did he start doing mr miyagi said said all right i want you to go and paint the fence and he starts painting the fence, he's like this, and you watch the movie, and it's like this, the biggest fence you've ever seen in your life, and you're like, that really stinks. So he's painting the fence, right? And then he's done painting the fence, he's like, all right, teach me some karate. No, I want you to go wax, wax some cars, and he's got all these cars, and he starts waxing the car. And then Daniel starts getting really frustrated. He's like, I didn't, I didn't come here to paint the fence and wax cars and do your chores for you. I want to learn how to fight. And so then Mr. Miyagi gets upset and he starts throwing punches at him. He says, all right, I want you to paint the fence. So he starts painting the fence, right? And he starts blocking all these these punches and stuff he's throwing. He says, wax the car. So he starts waxing the car and he starts blocking all these things that he's thrown at him. And all these small, insignificant things that didn't make sense in his mind was preparing him for something great. And then he did this thing, right? (laughs) And he wins. But the small, insignificant thing Open a door for greatness. God's saying, the whole time you were learning to paint the fence and wax the car, I was preparing you to fight Goliath. The whole time you were working with kids, loving on your neighbors, inviting people to church, giving to church, serving in the church, reaching out to those who you know are lost and apart from him. The whole time you were doing that, I was opening doors for great things. For great things. God has called you. And as you follow him, he's going to equip you. And he's going to do great things through you and through this church. Can I ask you a hand?